Hey, welcome to The Verified Christian, where real Christians try to live a verified Christian life. Hello, and welcome back to The Verified Christian. We're so thankful that you guys came back our way to give us another listen. I think I made that my trademark phrase, Casey, to welcome the podcasters back in. Yeah, thanks for giving us another listen. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're so happy to have you guys back here with us to study another portion of God's Word. We've been keeping with the same idea this season about living verified, how we can live as a verified Christian in our everyday walks of life, just living real, simply keeping it um, real, so to say, as a Christian, how I can walk, talk, act like a Christian in my everyday life. And that brings us to our point of the essential nature of teaching as we go about our daily lives, Casey. That's exactly. You know, if I am going to be a Christian, if I am going to be on trial, uh, as a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict me that I am indeed a Christian? Will I be caught out and about teaching other people? Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, told us in Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20, he says, go. And that's a present, ongoing action, go. There's something that I must do. I must go and he t- tells us, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And this is the commandment as, the, as a Christian, I must. It's not an option. I must go about teaching other people, making them followers of God's word. Yeah, this is like a prerequisite to even being a Christian. Uh, If I'm not teaching, if I'm not uh, observing all the things that he's commanded and I'm not teaching, of course he commanded us, as we see here, to teach. If I'm not doing that, then I'm not a very good Christian. And so, I mean, even the Apostle Paul said you ought to be teachers, right? Um, The Hebrews writer said there in Hebrews 5 and verse 12, But Paul again says, uh, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel, right? 1 Corinthians 9, 16. So uh, Jesus said we should go. And Paul said, Whoa. "Whoa." (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, Jesus said go. Paul said, Woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. And so it's it's either go or woe, right? Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, you know... If we're going to be good Christians, then we need to we need to be helping others understand why we are Christians, what we did to become Christians, and and what that means for us and how we must live our lives now. And Casey, I think it comes back to the essential commandments that Jesus gave, the first and second commandments, which were love God and love fellow man. That's right, love your neighbor. Follow me with this train of thought for a moment, right? 1 John 4 and verse 16 says that God is love. And knowing that God is love, we want to be with God for eternity. We want to be like God. We want to be like Christ. Thus, we're called Christians, followers of Christ. We want to be like Him. Jesus obviously loved the world so much He gave His his life on the on the cross, right? If if Jesus loved that much his fellow man, shouldn't we also 
love our fellow man that much. And then with that that train of thought, that in mind, Matthew twenty two thirty nine, the second commandment you talked about there, where Jesus told his disciples, "Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself." Right. If we want to be like God, and He is love, and we want the love of God within us, then shouldn't we want to love our neighbor? Knowing the end result of not following Jesus, wouldn't that automatically prompt us to teach others of the reward of following Jesus? Mm -hmm. And so here's a thought now, just bear with me, this thought if we're supposed to love God and be like him and we're supposed to love our neighbor and we're going, if we truly have the love of God within us and we love our neighbor, then we're automatically going to do those things. So why did Jesus have to command us to do that? I think Casey, that he understood through his divine knowledge and, and wisdom, he knew that we would struggle with obedience that's right. I think I think that's exactly right because God's infinite wisdom and foreknowledge knew that obedience to this command will being obedient to it would make an evangelist out of all of us, right? Um, but I think God knew that we needed to be reminded of the golden rule. Mm-hmm. I, I think that God knew that we're we're not perfect, and He knew that we're going to make mistakes that we're still going to sin from time to time, um, and that we're going to have those struggles. That's a very good thought. Um, Having those, following those two commandments, the rest of the law of God will take care of itself. If we love our neighbor as we should, um, if we love God, we will automatically fall in line with all the rest of his commandments. It's It makes it a lot simpler to just to really love God and love fellow man because we'll go and share the gospel. We'll go and, and shine our light to other people around us because we love God and because of what he accomplished through Jesus Christ for my sins. My response to that is to love God and, and to love my fellow man and tell others about him. That's right. I mean, and we talked about the golden rule, Matthew 7 and verse 12. You know, we will do unto others as we would want someone to do unto us. And so if we don't know the truth... And our pathway is the broad way that leads to destruction, Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Um, We would want somebody certainly to point us in the right direction so that we get on the straight and narrow, so that we do receive heaven as our eternal reward and not eternal damnation. And so I just think that it's interesting to me that if we have the love of God within us, that we would have to be reminded you know, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Have you heard it said, growing up, you know, if you want to go to heaven, take somebody with you? Uh, yeah, I've heard that. Uh, yep, sure have. See, I mean, you think I've even said that. So, mm-hmm. um, You know, going to the book of Ezekiel, if you don't mind me, go in there. Yeah. It talks about the watchman, how that watchman was responsible with his life on the line to look out for potential dangers to the uh, from the horizon coming towards the city. if And I'm paraphrasing here, folks, going back to that chapter in Ezekiel about the watchman, that he charged Ezekiel with being that watchman. He was to watch over the city. He was the prophet for that city. He, he said, just like the watchman was responsible 
to watch out for those potential dangers coming. And if he sounded the alarm for that danger coming, you delivered yourself if they didn't, you know, if they, if the people in the city died and you sounded the alarm, okay, you're not guilty. But if you did not sound the alarm and death came on the city, God's word says, thy blood I've required at your hand because you didn't sound the alarm. You didn't give them a chance. Doesn't that give us a stern warning about the the account there of the watchman and what he charged Ezekiel with to watch over Israel? Doesn't that give us a warning about the news that we've been given with the gospel to go and to teach it? Yeah, indeed it does. Uh, Ezekiel 33, uh, specifically verses 8 and 9 there, um, really helps us to understand that that yes, it is true that the sinner will, they will perish due to their own sin and their own iniquity. But we also learn from this that not only will they perish, it could very well cause us to perish if we don't take the truth to them. Um, Ezekiel 18 and verse 20, the Bible there says the person who sins will die. The soul that sins, it shall die. The, 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 the son will not bear the punishment of the father uh, for his iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment of the son's iniquity. Uh, the righteous of the righteous, uh, the righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. Even though Ezekiel 18 and verse 20 says each individual will answer for the deeds that they do, that in no way alleviates us from our responsibility of loving and showing compassion towards someone else who's headed in the wrong direction. Right. We can't be like, well, that's their fault for sinning and exactly. and all that. We need to take the gospel to them and that's to right. show the wicked their ways. That's right. Just like every other prophet that God charged with to go and to preach repentance and other things. That's, that's right. right. It's not about sitting back saying, oh, I'm better than you because I've been washed in the blood. It's, you know, it's not the, the kind of holier-than-thou mentality that so many times seems to be demonstrated uh, to those who are in error. Mm -hmm. But it's the, the absolute compassion that we have for the souls of men, knowing what awaits those who are not faithful. Right. So we are like that neighborhood watch, you know, that you, the signs you see in neighborhoods <laughs> right. as you enter, you know, we are watching you, you know, we need to watch over our fellow man and exactly what do meteorologists do? They watch over storms that could potentially bring harm on their community. You know, you turn on the news whenever there's bad weather coming on. Your news, local news station will flash like, hey, there's a severe thunderstorm warning coming here. Hey, there's a tornado warning that's on the ground. There's confirmed. Get to your safe place. They warn the community. They warn the people. That's right. And we need to be doing the same with the gospel, showing those that, hey, you're in error. We love you. Um, come to know Jesus and come to know salvation. That's exactly right. Well, didn't Solomon say those that win souls are wise? And how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of Christ? Uh, that's exactly right. So yeah. many scriptures tell us we must go in action. We can't just sit and right. be idle. We must go. We must live out the gospel in our everyday lives. Tell others about it. And yeah. I think keeping with that mindset, hey, if you want to go to heaven, take somebody with you. That's right. Show them you love them. And show them you love them by, by teaching them the truth. You know, it's interesting to me that you, you don't have to tell me to love my wife. I already love her. But it's interesting to me the Apostle Paul had to tell me to love my wife. 
you know, and that's to the point that I'm, I'm willing to give my life for her, Ephesians mm-hmm. 5, right? And so even though teaching someone and warning someone of the perils that, that lay before their, their iniquities and their sins, you know, I shouldn't have to be told to go and warn them, but I still need to be reminded to do that. Right. And to what extent do I need to do that? And I think it's about following the example of Jesus. You know, the first time we see him telling somebody to come after him, what were Peter, Andrew, and John doing? They were fishing. And he come to them and he said, you know, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. That's found in Matthew four eighteen through 19. And I'll quote this. It says, come ye after me and I will make you fishers of men. What was their response? They dropped everything. And followed him. You know, as a kid, I always thought they threw their fishing poles down and they started running <laughs> after Jesus, you know. Um, and even though they, they didn't fish with fishing poles, you know, it's an entirely different type of fishing. But, you know, in in my childhood mind, it helped me to understand that there was a sense of urgency with them. Right. They were in the middle of something, but right. they dropped it and followed Jesus. How many people, when we teach them or just show them, hey, come be a Christian, come to live as a disciple of Christ, they're like, well, some more convenient time. Some other time right now, I'm too tied up in business, relationships, in my life, and it's not a good time to be a Christian. And they delay. They tarry. And some come to know Christ later in their lives. Some don't. I know we're kind of getting a little bit on a tangent here, but it's important to to heed the call and heed the urgency of this warning because you're playing Russian roulette with your soul. That's that's exactly right. You know, uh, James and John, they left the boat. They were in the boat with Zebedee and the, they, they left. The Bible says they straight away, they straightway left the boat and, and their father and followed him, Matthew 4.22. No delay. You know, we often talk about the faith of, of James and John but what about the faith of Zebedee? You know, because if he didn't have a, a great deal of faith, don't you think he was probably complaining having to put up the boat and the nets and everything by himself? No doubt. <laughs> you know? I'll tell you what, fishing, after you get done, it's a lot of work after you get out of the water to rinse the salt water off and all that. But yeah, no doubt. But, you know, that come and follow me. How many times did Jesus say, come and follow me? If that was his request to those whom he loved, who were wandering as sheep without a shepherd, shouldn't that too also be our cry? Come and follow him. Come and follow him. And, and you know, we don't have to, to tell people to come and follow me because we're not perfect. Yeah. But to say, come and follow Jesus. Follow Jesus even when we mess up. You know, wasn't that the cry of the Apostle Paul? Uh, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ, as I am of Christ. So Paul's saying, even when I mess up, don't follow me when I mess up. Follow me only when I'm doing what's right. And then follow Jesus the rest of the way. Jesus, in so many occasions, taught and, and taught the importance of following after him. And one of my favorite occasions of him teaching someone that was lost was the woman at the well. You know, he saw the importance of going to her, that Samaritan woman, going to her, even though it was unpopular 
the unpopular decision to go and to approach her and talk to her because of the Jews and Samaritan strife that they had. It didn't matter. The culture, the race, it did not matter to Jesus to go up and teach the lost who it was. It didn't matter to him That's because right. he saw a soul and he and he taught her a spiritual lesson, turned an everyday conversation about water and a common ground that, that her and Jesus both shared, being thirsty, turned it into a spiritual lesson and... That should that should be us seeking those kind of opportunities. You know, it's interesting. You you may mention about you know talking to her about water, but there's an individual to whom Jesus was speaking. He mentioned water, and I I find it very confusing, um, or have in the past found it very confusing. In, in John chapter three, when when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, they weren't even near water that we know of. Uh, all we know is that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And Jesus tells him, except a man be born again, he shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus, entirely confused, said, a man can't enter into his mother's womb again and be born. How, how can these things be? And Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. So in John 3, verses 3 through 5 there, we see that, that Jesus makes mention of water once again, and then was it John? Was it John chapter four? He's talking about water uh, there, the woman at the well, and he says, "I am that living water." And so, uh, you know, people today still need to know of that living water. They still need to know of how to be born again, and only Christians who are willing to truly follow Jesus and share that gospel message with others will help get across the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think it's a great challenge to and and to go and teach. Teaching is challenging, but it's a craft that we must strive to master. But also I think it's important to notice about Jesus and what he did. He preached to crowds about being lost, but also he preached on an individual basis or taught rather um, preaching, teaching, being the same thing. But he taught to multitudes, but also he taught one-on-one -on -one with people. I think that's important to really point out of the text as well. Yeah, personally, teaching the Bible's always been very important. Um, Acts chapter 8, right? The, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip to go. He was Philip was doing great things in Samaria. He was doing signs, wonders. He had all these people that were believing, men and women that were obeying the gospel. And in Acts 8, 25 through 39, we see that the Spirit of the Lord calls away Philip to, to join himself to a chariot. And here we, we see the Ethiopian eunuch. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah. Remember Philip asked him, he said, do you understand what you're reading? The eunuch says, how can I except some man should guide me? And then we learn from that that Philip preached unto him Jesus. And he expounded the truth of Jesus Christ to the Ethiopian eunuch. And we see from verses 25 through 39 there that it ultimately resulted in a lost soul being saved, um, a, a sinner receiving baptism and, and the forgiveness of sins. And, and ultimately, that is what we should be doing as Christians. I think the most important thing we can do in our efforts to reach the lost is to build relationships with people. No doubt. Instead of 
trying to cram the Bible down people's throats. It's important to show people that you care That's about right. them on That's a personal right. level and then telling them, well, hey, let me tell you about the greatest gift of all. That's that's exactly right. You know, it, it hasn't been too long ago. I was preaching a sermon. I made the statement that, you know, I think one thing that we misunderstand um, as as Christians, we often rush people to water without properly teaching them the truth. We do. Even on mission trips, we're so number focused. Oh, this is how many people we got in the water. That's right. How many of those people will stick and be faithful? That's you right. Know? Well, and and. You know, we, we put so much emphasis on baptism because we learn from Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. Or as Galatians 3 and verse 27 says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We know that it's the process of baptism that puts us into Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So baptism is, it is necessary. It is essential. Absolutely. But I think many times within the church, we put so much emphasis on this one act. It's almost as if we think that, well, once I get baptized, that's all there is to it. And that's not it. And so the act of baptism when we think about this the act of baptism is the only part of the plan of salvation that is passive it's the only thing that i personally do not do myself baptism we hear we have denominational friends say oh y'all believe y'all are saved by works baptism will work you think you're saved by works well it is a work but it's not my work it's a work of god right i can't cleanse my own heart god has to do that Mm -hmm. and we learn from romans chapter 6 verses 4 through 8 that we will be raised by the glory of the Father just as Christ was raised up by the glory of the Father, even so that we can also walk in newness of life. Do I do the raising? Yeah, no. No. You know, well, maybe the person, maybe if you baptize me, (laughs) you might raise me out of the water, but you're not raising me up a new creature. That's right. God does that. And so I think many times within the church, we rush people to water and, and we want to teach them Hey, we 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 got to get them baptized so they can be saved. And many times it's like we overlook some of the weightier matters of Scripture. You know, baptism. Don't misunderstand. It is essential, but baptism is just as important as worship. It's just as important as prayer. It's just as important as singing, or even as what we're discussing right now, teaching the gospel. And so once we learn what it takes to be found in Jesus Christ. We need to use that to share with other people that this is how you get into Christ and this is how you worship. And it's just the beginning. And that's why it's so important to share the gospel. And we've mentioned many things on this episode, but it just, it really tells us, and we just talked about a smidget of all that we're commanded to do to go and teach and just how important that is. And we're, we just simply have, don't, don't have the time in this one episode to expound on all those points. But I think we got the gist of what the importance of teaching. That's right. And there's so much that we wish we could discuss. We just, we don't have time. And so, but that's why but, you need to come back our next episode. We're going to be talking about ways and opportunities uh, to go and to teach the next gospel. season, next season, y'all next season. We're going to be talking about some don'ts as a Christian. So make sure you guys tune in for that. And we're thankful so much for your support and God bless.
You've been listening to the Verified Christian Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Give us a rating or review and subscribe so you won't miss any content. If you have any questions, email the verified Christian at gmail.com.